Testament lesson is Psalm 67. I invite you to read it responsively, full verse by full verse. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This This is is the the word word of the the Lord. Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Jesus, I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel for this sixth Sunday of Easter is from John chapter 5. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to speak with me the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the Lord is in the business of grand openings. I'm not referring to the grand openings of a long-awaited restaurant or a grocery store or an amusement park. No, I'm talking about the grand openings like those that we just sang about and which we heard about in our scripture readings for this morning. I'm talking about the grand openings of Jesus' grave. I'm talking about the grand opening of an invalid's life. I'm talking about the grand opening of the Lord's mission into Europe. And I'm speaking about the grand opening of a woman's dead heart. Now, those are grand openings. Those are grand openings that change the trajectory of one's life on earth and one's eternal destiny. Those are grand openings that instill hope in us when we're mired or struck, stuck in some hopeless situation or condition. Can you think of a grander grand opening than Jesus' open tomb that we heard about or that we sang about just moments ago? I mean, we sang, Christ has arisen, alleluia. Rejoice and praise him, alleluia. For our Redeemer burst forth from the tomb, even from death dispelling its gloom. Yes, indeed, our Redeemer burst from the tomb. The angel says to the women on that first Easter morning, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Jesus' resurrection from the dead means that he has defeated man's greatest arch enemy. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, so too we will be bodily resurrected from the dead when he returns. That's Jesus' promise to those who believe in him. St. Paul writes, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. It's no wonder that in the hymn that we just sung, we invite one another, let us sing praise to him with endless joy. Death's fearful sting, he has come to destroy. Our sin forgiving, alleluia, Jesus is living, alleluia. And so, my friends, go spread the good news of the grand opening, of this grand opening. Jesus is not in the grave on that Easter morning, he is risen. He has risen this world to save. Jesus is redeeming, labors are done, and even the battle with sin is won. Well, that's grand opening number one. Imagine being an invalid for 38 years. 38 years is a long time to lay on an 8 by 10 mat. Every day is the same. You're watching, you're waiting, life is stagnant, 
life is stuck. There's no hope of improvement. One can imagine the invalid's The invalid helplessly crawling his way to the pool of Bethesda when the water is stirred, hoping against all hope that he can win the race to that healing pool. And every day for the past 38 years, he has reenacted that scene. And every day for the past 38 years, there's been the same futile outcome. But on this day, This unsuspecting lame man is going to experience a grand opening. Jesus, as we heard in our gospel reading, sees the man lying among a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Do you want to be healed? Jesus asks. And the invalid shows no sign of believing that Jesus can heal him, for he responds, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And then Jesus says to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once, the man is healed. And he takes up his bed and he walks. That's a grand opening, wouldn't you say? I mean, what a miracle. I mean, the man's shriveled muscles are instantly strong. A man who has laid horizontally for almost four decades now stands erect, balancing himself even while holding his mat in his hand, and then he begins to walk. Jesus opens a whole new world of possibilities to this man. This man's life is no longer stagnant. It's no longer stuck. He's liberated from his 8 by 10 mat. His life now flows with possibilities. The dreams that he dreamt can now be realized. Friends, are you stuck? Stuck in a rut? Are you a card-carrying member of the coalition of the worried? Do you find yourself caught in a dead-end job? Maybe stalled in life by your anxiety and the uncertainty that comes with the life? that we have this day? Are you disillusioned by the tattered state of your family, by the tattered state of your church, by the tattered state of our country? You find yourself paralyzed by a bleak medical prognosis, mired in hopelessness. Well, Jesus makes it his business to open up possibilities to you Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? Do you want to experience a grand opening in your life? Then take up your mat and walk. In other words, trust in me. You know, many a person has taken up their mat and walked. And they have found fulfillment in a dead-end job. Their anxiety and worry have been replaced with peace and contentment. Many a people have taken up their mat and walked and they have found that their disillusionment dissipated by their resolve to be a positive person in their family and in their church and in their country. And those paralyzed by their medical condition, those who will never escape their 8 by 10 mat are filled with hope 
and are filled with purpose in life when they look to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And one of the persons that has so struck me over the years is Nick Wojcik. Maybe you know of him. He's an Australian man who was born with no arms and no, no legs. And there were times in his life, by his own admission, that he wanted to commit suicide, that he had no hope. But then Jesus spoke to him, so to speak, through his word. And Nick heard Jesus say, take up your mat and walk. And Nick has been walking all around the globe, sharing the message of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Just Google his name, Nick Vujicic, V-U-J-I-C-I-C. Just type in, man who has no arms or legs, and it'll come to Nick Vujicic. But here is a man who will never, so to speak, get off his mat and walk like you and me. But as he said in a 60 Minutes interview, he said, if a man without arms and legs is dreaming big, then why can't we? Why can't we all? You see, the hope that Nick has in life is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes all the difference to him. That's a grand opening, wouldn't you say? Then there's the Macedonian call. What a grand opening that is. St. Luke tells us in Acts 16, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go out into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What we don't hear in this text is that St. Paul and his traveling companions are actually following the Via Sebeste. They're on a major highway, so to speak, on the road to Ephesus. And that's where they think that God wants them to preach, in that great city of Ephesus. But the Bible tells us that they're forbidden from going to Ephesus. We don't know how they're forbidden, but they just are forbidden. And so they decide, well, maybe we should go north. And again, the Spirit of Jesus doesn't allow them to go north. And it's at that time when Paul is so uncertain about what to do, what direction to take his, his mission ministry, that he receives this vision that we hear about in our reading for today. And he sees this Macedonian man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now what's so significant about this Macedonian call? Why is it considered a grand opening well, what's significant about it is that up to this time, St. Paul and the other apostles, as far as we know from the Bible, have been doing all their mission work in the Holy Land and in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. But now, Paul is being directed to do missionary work in Europe. The Macedonian call is pivotal for the advance of the gospel, for now the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be proclaimed in Europe which eventually migrates to North America, which is significant for you and me. And it's with this fresh vision in mind that St. Paul and his companions set sail for Europe. 
for the northern region of Greece, known as Macedonia. And where do they go? Well, they go to Philippi, a Roman colony named after Alexander the Great's father. Philippi is a leading city of that district of Macedonia. The Via Ignatia, the main highway from Asia to the west, passed through Philippi. Philippi is a strategic commercial city, both on sea and land routes, from which the gospel can then be easily spread. But being a Roman colony, there are very few Jews who call Philippi home. In fact, there are so few Jewish men in Philippi that they can't even have a synagogue. You need at least 10 men to have a synagogue, and they don't have that many in Philippi. And so on the Sabbath day, Paul and his companions head out of the city gates to the local river, where they're hopeful that they will find some worshipers, some Jewish worshipers. And sure enough, when they get out to the river, what do they find? They find a group of women who are gathered in prayer. And one of those women is named Lydia. Lydia is a wealthy, prominent businesswoman who sells purple cloth. She is from the local town or the nearby town of Thyatira, which was famous for its dying works. And she has come to Philippi to sell her produce. She's a Gentile who believes in the true God and worships him and follows the moral teachings of Judaism. But most importantly, Luke tells us that Lydia experiences a grand opening. We read, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to Paul's message. That makes Lydia the first European convert to Christianity. And it makes her the founder of the church at Philippi, which was a source of such great joy to St. Paul. The Lord opened her heart. Why is this so important for us to know? Well, it's because Lydia, like all people, are conceived with a dead heart. We're incapable of opening our heart and believing in Jesus. Do you remember the words of Martin Luther that you maybe memorized as you were taking your catechism class? Martin Luther writes, I, cannot by my, I, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. Luther, Luther's words simply testified to the biblical truth that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We cannot make ourselves believe the truths of Holy Scripture. Unless the Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts, the message I proclaim to you today is foolish. It's nonsensical. But if the Holy Spirit creates faith in your heart and opens your heart, makes your heart open, then it begins to make sense, doesn't it? And it brings you comfort and peace and hope and joy as you look to Christ as your Savior. And yet what do we hear? So often we hear people say, Jesus has died on a cross for you. He's risen from the dead, and all you need to do is open up your heart to believe in Jesus. And then you'll be saved. Well, that's an impossibility. We can't open our heart by our own efforts. 
No, only the Holy Spirit can open our hearts. As Paul says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. St. Peter writes, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. And so as Lydia listened to the Word of God being proclaimed by St. Paul, the Holy Spirit created faith in her heart so that now she believed that Jesus is the Messiah, her Savior. And she came to believe that Jesus died on the cross for her, forgiving her of all of her sins, and he rose from the dead, promising her everlasting life. And this woman who was wealthy became infinitely wealthy in the riches that Jesus Christ gives to her. This is our story too, God willing. That Jesus has sent his spirit into our life so that we might hear his word and have our ears opened and our heart opened so that we would believe in Christ as our Savior. For so many of us it happened when we were baptized. Whether it's an infant or a young child or an adult, there the Holy Spirit opened up our heart so that we believe in Jesus as our Savior. For many of us, it may have also been later on in life when we were listening to the Word of God or reading the Scriptures, and there the Holy Spirit opened up our heart so that we would confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Yes, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him, but the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, has called me by the Gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, and sanctified and kept me in that one true faith. Oh, thank God that he has opened up our hearts to believe in Jesus as our Savior. So as I began this message, I said that God was in the business of grand openings. And indeed he is. He's in the grand opening business of opening graves. Our graves promising us everlasting life. He's in the business of opening our graves that give us possibilities where we see dead ends and when we're stuck, he gives us possibilities and a newness of, of life by pointing us to the reality that we can take up our mats and follow him. We see that, yes, he can even open up dead hearts, spiritually dead hearts, and make them alive thus granting them the treasures that he has won for them on the cross. Oh, may God work such a grand opening, or many grand openings, in your life. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.